Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Kara is on your schedule today as a new patient. She is a 22-year-old recent college grad transferring into your practice from her pediatric provider. Her big concern today is her headaches. She's getting ready to enter the workforce and is worried because the rate of onset seems to be increasing. Where do you begin and what do you recommend? Joining me today is Jill Terrian. Jill is the director of the Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you, Frank. So, Kara is coming in today and has headaches. How do you figure out what kind of headache she has and how do we make a diagnosis, initiate treatment, and ultimately deal with some preventive issues? Wow, that is, um, that's a big, tall order for the first visit. However, um, I think that Kara is going to come with some information that we're going to be able to kind of look at in our first visit with her. First of all, migraine headaches, headache in general is a very common disorder um, across the country. And um, the characteristics of migraine in particular are that pain is associated with symptoms that precede the headache or accompanied with an aura, which can be sensory, motor, or language in its origin. Also, looking at how frequently the patient has a headache. And just to cl clarify that a little bit more, um, less than 15 days of headaches a month is called an episodic headache. Anything greater than 15 days a month is a chronic headache. Kara's a woman, and females, so gender, um, three to one against males. So it's a very, very common disorder. And probably one of the most interesting things is that um, there is a good thing about menopause because women who suffer from migraines uh, that go through menopause usually have them dissipate and do not have them any longer. So there is one good fact there. Um, so tell us, so if Kara's got a migraine, um, and what are your thoughts about how to go about deciding whether she needs preventive treatment or just management of the acute episodes? So with Kara, I'm going to ask her, you know, how often is she actually having a headache? And I want to know, uh, I like a diary um, and, you know, a paper and pencil diary or an app on a phone, anything that can track the frequency of the headache, the quality of the headache, and then actually what she is doing to either prevent the headache or what she is taking to stop the headache and whether or not it's working. So. Um, Anyway, so you really need to have a good history. The evidence shows, and this is level A rated, that you need eight weeks of information to actually know the totality of a person's headache structure. Wow, eight weeks of a headache diary? That seems quite excessive, but I, I believe it's probably going to get you the most accurate picture. It is, but it's really hard for people to do something like that. So if I could get four weeks 
of information from my patient, I think that that would help. And since Kara is new to the practice like any anyone else with a new patient, I really want to know what she's doing um, in her life and what her lifestyle is like. A key to what she just said is that she just moved home from college and her headaches are increasing. So is there something going on in her life? Is she living at home? Is she living in an apartment with, you know, a lot of disruption? And really what is happening um, that could cause her headaches. Let's talk a little bit about triggers. Um, migraines in particular seem to have a, a very unique set of things that set it off. Can you tell us a little bit about what triggers Ab migraine headaches? Absolutely, and I think that as providers we think of them as you know, kind of like commonplace, but that's part of our role in speaking with our patients is to educate them as to some really common things that might be causing their pain. So triggers such as um, what they take in for their diet, um, and that could include, you know, certain wines and aged cheeses, um, chocolate, uh, things that oh, are really, chocolate. yeah, chocolate. Um, so, and you know, it's, it's quantity. Um, and so if it's, you know, once a month and that's when they're having their headache, then you can probably link it to that. But you won't know that without a di diary um, to track the, um, the findings. Also stress. Stress is, you know, can be a really common trigger between work, home, um, and just the balance. And then um, sleep. You know, how many hours a night are they sleeping? Is it good quality sleep? And um, because that's something we can change and help our patients with. Um, visual stimuli, there is anecdotal evidence about um, computer screen time and the time that you are on a screen before you actually go to sleep at night can be disruptive. One thing that um, I think about with patients who have chronic headaches is their medication, their over-the-counter medication use and misuse. Can you speak to that a bit? Absolutely. When patients get up in the morning, there are some that will just automatically take their acetaminophen or their ibuprofen without having a headache. And, you know, they can lead to the rebound headache. And so you really need to know what they're taking and when. Okay. Jill, you mentioned earlier a little bit about technology. Any thoughts about apps that are of benefit? Well, it's interesting because we live in a society now that is just so um, tech-savvy, tech-connected, that I wanted to look at, is there any evidence that says that apps will help our headache sufferers? And so there is an article linked to this week's podcast by Mosadegging Nick uh, that actually came out. It's Mobile Health for Headache Disorders. And it looked at a review of the evidence. And what they did at, they looked at different um, apps, there are several out there that actually uh, track um, headaches and treatments, and what they found is that they really don't help. Yeah, they don't help either in the diagnosis or in the management. Right. Wow. And I, I actually was surprised by that. One thing I think of, Jill, with my headache patients, especially those who have yet to be diagnosed, they come in with this unilateral pulsating type of headache, and their fear is they have some tumor there. Can you tell us about what the indications are for imaging and what the red flags that we should keep in mind? Absolutely. So red flags is, um, is this the first time this person had this? Um, you have to look at it. Is this a headache that's a migraine or is it something worse that you do need the imaging as you're speaking about, Frank? So it's really a few common things to remember. Anybody with their first headache like this over the age of 50, that would be concerning. 
Um, also, uh, anybody with a fever, you'd be thinking of a possible meningitis. Any kind of neuro deficit or somebody that has had a recent head trauma, uh, a fall in the last three months, mm -hmm. any impaired level of consciousness, and then um, visual disturbances that um, would make you think that possibly this could be a glaucoma. Good. Good. Um, I've also found that people who have brain tumors often have an altered uh, mental status exam. And so if you can test their memory and test their ability to do simple computations, um, you can almost always rule out at least a frontal lobe lesion. Mm -hmm. Well, that, those are very, very interesting. Um, so let's talk quickly about what's new in the treatment of migraine. We know that we sometimes use suppressive agents like beta blockers or tricyclic antidepressants. Um, are there any new treatments out there to help prevent migraines? So yes, there is one that um, actually, again, is in the resource list um, that talked about Botox. And I mean, when Botox came out, this ended up being an incidental finding that actually migraine sufferers that were using Botox for, you know, cosmetic reasons actually found that their headaches had lessened in frequency or possibly even gone away with the botulism toxin injections. But I want to caution you against thinking that this is just something that you would do first line. This is uh, Botox is got about a two to three percent response in chronic migraine sufferers. Those are the people that are having headaches more than 15 days a month. Um, and it also has some side effects because the way that the Botox is given is in several injections along uh, the head and neck. Um, and you know, what you want to know is, is this the first, if you are a person that might fit into this category and might use this, is the person giving you the Botox somebody that does it on a regular basis? They have found that uh, uh, providers that don't use Botox on a regular basis or give it on a regular basis are not as good as those that are seasoned at it. Great. Well, Jill, thanks so much. This is a great review of both how to make a good diagnosis and what's new in the regards to treatment. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer, migraine headaches can be best diagnosed using a headache diary that can go on for weeks to help identify what the causes are, including common triggers like menses, diet, altered sleep, and maybe even visual stimuli. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. We want to keep making this podcast better with every episode, so we need your feedback. Tell us what you think by submitting your feedback via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or log into primed.com and submit your feedback at the bottom of the episode landing page. Thank you again for listening.